Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. the middle of that line and it's a touchdown big return for Crowder 85 yards pass thrown there was contact with a quarterback and it's incomplete they got pressure on Prescott it was Adams who came blitzing in he'll hit immediately he got the handoff you know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. oh my gosh listen thank you from the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And it is Wednesday, which means it's time for Midweek with Manish. Manish Mehta, who covers the New York Jets for the Daily News. Manish, how is Indianapolis, sir? It's always eventful, uh, and typically it's always cold. Uh, so I spent most of my time wandering the halls at the Indiana Convention Center uh, during the day. Uh, it's, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting dynamic because it's such a self-contained event. So I'll be curious to see what happens in future years when, you know, evidently they're going to move the combine to L.A., which will make things more difficult because things are obviously much more spread out out there than Indianapolis. So uh, it's a great venue for this event uh, uh, from a reporter's perspective because you get to interact with NFL people uh, and for the most part, it's very difficult for NFL people to hide. <laughs> you, know, you, you kind of cross paths with them during the day in the convention center, and then at night uh, in the restaurants are within a you know, pretty, you know, maybe a three- or four-block radius and the bars as well. So you uh, come across and interact with a lot of people across the league, which makes for a very interesting uh, week. So uh, this, you know, this year was no different. It was pretty eventful. Uh, some things I can share, some things <laughs> obviously I can't, but uh, you know, always a productive time when I go out there. Speaking of things you can share, did you hear any good gossip while you were in Indianapolis? 
I always hear a lot of good gossip. Most of that stuff I keep under my hat uh, for the you know for the time being at least. But uh, there's always a lot of chatter. Th- this year was interesting from a free agent perspective because there is some uncertainty, of course, because we don't know if the new CBA is going to be uh, you know ratified. Uh, that will have some implications in terms of what teams are willing to pay certain players and. There's obviously some dynamics involved in each individual case, but uh, uh, the new CBA, coupled with the fact that free agency doesn't even begin for another couple weeks, you know, in the past, the draft, I'm sorry, free agency and the combine were, you know, right next to each other. It's almost like you came out of the combine and then you rolled right into free agency a few days later or a week later at most. So in those years, uh, when you had agents and teams uh, quote-unquote tampering uh, in Indianapolis, you got a much better handle of what teams were looking for, who they were looking for, what they were willing to pay free agency, free agents, and agents, frankly, left the combine having a pretty good idea of what teams uh, were really interested in their client and for how much, uh, as opposed to now, because free agency is so far out, relatively speaking, a couple weeks after the combine, most of the discussions that I that, you know that I that I found out about uh, involving the Jets, involving a lot of other teams, and prospective free agents is uh, a more generalized discussion, which is we're interested in your guy, uh, and then you can get a sense of what the range might be uh, in terms of dollar value. So agents have a decent idea of who they believe is a, a real suitor and a guy that might be a suitor only if the price gets depressed for their client. But they don't, you know, have as firm of a handle as they would if free agency, for example, started this week. And, and obviously, that tampering period doesn't start until March 16th, so we're still two weeks out from the three-day tampering period, or the legal tampering period, I should say. So, uh, you know, that coupled with the uncertainty with the CBA makes it, you know, a little bit more difficult to figure out, you know, where these top-flight free agents uh, are going to end up. You know, in the next couple of weeks. On the record, we did hear some stuff from both Joe Douglas and Adam Gase. What they have to say that was worth talking about? Well, I guess the headliners from the Joe Douglas discussion was that he will no longer initiate trade conversations involving Le'Veon Bell, which is great for you know for discussion. I mean, we're talking about it now, but the reality is that I think they tried uh, to go down that avenue already and have found out that it's not going to happen. Teams are not willing to absorb the $13.5 million that Le'Veon is due in 2020. Uh, the Jets don't see the much sense in absorbing a lot of his salary to move him, and I agree with them on, on that end. So maybe it's semantics by saying that we're not going to initiate Le'Veon Bell discussions, but at least it's noteworthy in the sense that Douglas had not uh, you know, said anything close to that, frankly. Uh, prior to uh, the Combine Week. So it looks like Le'Veon Bell will be around for one more year. And I know, Scott, you and I have discussed his contract ad nauseum and uh, his guaranteed money does run out in 2020, after 2020. Uh, So I don't anticipate that he would be back with the Jets in 2021. I guess stranger things have happened, but he's owed a fair amount of money in 2021, but it's not guaranteed. So I would anticipate this being the final year, the second and final year for Le'Veon Bell with the Jets. And you know, my position at this point is if you're both Bell and Adam Gase, you really 
got to make the most of it. Uh, you know, we've all discussed you know, Adam Gase not wanting Bell and then not wanting Bell for the price that he ultimately got, but uh, and then not deploying him properly. But none of that really matters if he's going to be on the team. You have to uh, maximize his skill set, and uh, hopefully for Bell's sake, for Gase's sake, and most importantly for the Jets' sake, that those two guys figure out the best way to use him because he's still, in my mind, a very productive player. He might not be the player he was at his peak a few years ago in Pittsburgh, but that doesn't mean he can't help Gase. That doesn't mean he can't help Sam Darnold. And that certainly doesn't mean that he can't help the Jets. I think he can help all three of those. And uh, it's up to Gase, frankly, uh, and Le'Veon Bell to, to figure out how best to deploy him. So the next question is, are they going to have time this offseason to discuss all of those things? Because the voluntary offseason program is technically voluntary, right? They call it voluntary for a reason. And Bell did not participate consistently in that last year. I asked Gase uh, in Indianapolis whether he had talked to Le'Veon specifically about what his participation would be in the voluntary program. He said that he did not. Uh, we'll find out uh, if those conversations uh, take place uh, when they can in the coming months. But, uh, you know, I, do I think there's value in it? Yes, I do. Would I begrudge Le'Veon Bell again for staying away and training in Florida? I wouldn't. But, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, I, I think that it would behoove all parties if Le'Veon was in New Jersey a little bit more often than he had been a year ago in the offseason. Uh, just to lay the groundwork, uh, make, the, make the head coach feel a little bit more comfortable, and hopefully that manifests itself when the season begins. But, uh, you know, those are important questions that need to be answered over the next several weeks and months uh, from the Le'Veon Bell perspective. Uh, the other headliner... Joe Douglas also, for the first time, made it clear that he wants Jamal Adams to remain with the Jets for a very long time. It, I, the phrase he used was "Jet for life." Uh, the last time I heard that phrase was uh, <laughs> with Darrell Rivas. Hmm. That didn't necessarily turn out the, the way that everybody thought and hoped it would. But uh, you know, I think there's a lot of hoops that still need to be cleared before Jamal Adams becomes a Jet for the next five years, let alone a Jet for life. Uh, and his new contract is going to be. Uh, a little bit more difficult than what I think people might think on the horizon because uh, might think I don't think this is going to be on the horizon. I, I don't think this new deal is going to come together before free agency or in the next couple of weeks uh, because the Jets, frankly, uh, have leverage in the sense that they have Jamal Adams under contract for at least two more years. Uh, frankly, at least three more years if you include franchise tag options. Uh, that being said. You know, I know, Scott, you and I have talked about Jamal being the best player on the team. I think something needs to get done, and I think if you're Jamal Adams, you do have to be careful. You don't want to take some kind of below-market deal. Uh, I think you really got to leverage your position as the best player on this team to the hilt. And if that means holding out, uh, yeah, and I, also I remember you and I talking about this uh, late in the season, if that means holding out, then I would hold out. It's not personal. It's a business. Uh, and if he doesn't feel like he's getting the contract that he deserves, I think he should hold out. Uh, and one last thing, and I'll be writing about this at some point this week. Uh, there is a provision in the new CBA, I believe, as it was explained to me, that limits holdouts and limits players from wanting to hold out. I believe that the parameter is that if you are holding out within 30 days of the first game of the season, you will lose an accrued season. 
which is obviously a big deal for Jamal Adams. And uh, frankly, I don't even know if he's aware of this provision. Uh, it's one of the many provisions that haven't necessarily been talked about in the new CBA. But if there is a new CBA for this season, uh, it would, uh, you know, per, you know, it would uh, make it more difficult for players to hold out. And I think that's you know, it's worth discussing in this Jamal Adams situation because I do believe that he should hold out. However, it, technically, if he is still uh, not participating uh, in team activities, mandatory team activities within 30 days of the first game of the season, I believe that he can lose an accrued season. And that's something, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, pretty substantial when it comes to this particular situation. Brian Winters will be an interesting discussion going forward too, as Joe Douglas alluded to when he was talking about what to do with the veteran guard. And for the sake of continuity, they may want to try and hang on to him because apparently continuity is a very important thing, Manish. <laughs> uh, that to me was one of the more interesting positions that, uh, that Joe Douglas and, and more specifically Adam Gase, like continuity was something that Douglas talked about, saying that everybody wants continuity, and there's nothing wrong with saying that. Uh, you know, that's true. I think I think when you're talking about uh, you know trying to establish a foundation, you do want some continuity. Uh, I think Gay specifically was asked about why he believes year two will be different than year one, and he he cited continuity right away, uh, which I thought was interesting because I'm not exactly sure how much continuity there will actually be. Now, there's continuity in the program, and there is value in that. You know, and in in Adam Gase's program uh, as an offense, in Greg Williams' program, you know, for the defense. But when you're looking at how much turnover there'll actually be among the starters, I think this continuity angle is a little bit overblown because you've got 22 starters on offense and defense. You throw in the the, the punter, the kicker, and the, the long snapper. So you're talking about 25 starters in essence. And just going through in my mind. Uh, real quick, uh, I counted, I think, nine, maybe ten new starters out of that group of 25. So we're essentially talking about uh, a 40% turnover among the starters, let alone uh, you know, the rest of the roster. Uh, but when you're talking about you know, roughly a 40% turnover among your starters, how much continuity do you actually have? <laughs> because you've got all these new pieces in place, and you're certainly going to have a lot of new pieces in place on the offensive line now, Joe Douglas said, if it comes to having five new starters, then so be it. Uh, that's not desirable. And ultimately, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they're going to have five new starters. Uh, you know, they want to bring back uh, Alex Lewis at left guard. They have Jonathan Harrison under contract at center. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be the starting center, but they have him on, under contract right now. We'll see if they bring back uh, Kelvin Beecham at left tackle, which I think is fascinating because when you look at the left tackle free agent market, it stinks. It, it, there's not much there at all. Uh, and frankly, I still believe that, that Beecham played fairly well. For as poor as the line played as a group, I do believe that Beecham played fairly well. And, and I think you can get him at a, an affordable rate. I'm not saying at a cheap rate, but you don't have to pay uh, you know, $18 million dollars to, to rain, retain him, you know, you can get him at, at a rel relatively reasonable rate, I believe. So I, I do think when it's all said and done, you're going to have a new right side of the offensive line, a new right guard and right tackle. You mentioned Brian Winters, you know, fascinating case, you know, long tenured jet, uh, tough guy, team guy, 
incredible worker, but he has been banged up. Uh, it doesn't really make much financial sense for the Jets to bring him back at seven plus million uh, that he's owed this year. So if he does come back, uh, I, I would think that he would come back at a reduced rate. Uh, and I think there's a, you know, there needs to you know, be a little bit more time before that happens, unless he's just willing to play for the Jets. You know, he'd probably want to explore his options and see, you know, what the market is for him. But I do think that the Jets will have a new right side of the offensive line, right guard, right tackle. Perhaps we'll see what happens at the center position. And obviously the left tackle is up for grabs. Uh, that's an unknown. We don't know what's going to happen in the draft, what offensive linemen that they're going to take. Uh, you'd think that that guy would be a starter as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you're having that much turnover, you know, 30, you know, 35 to 40% new starters, then I'm not exactly sure how much continuity you actually have. Uh, so that's you know, a nice narrative uh, you know, for the Jets to throw out there. But if you look at it a little bit more closely, I'm not sure uh, when you have that much turnover, you can say that there's going to be a seamless transition from year one to year two under Gase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Odds are that the new left tackle, if it's not Beecham, will be somebody they pick in the draft, as you just talked about. And some of the players that worked out at the Combine in Indianapolis really helped their stock and could be the guy that the Jets get at number 11 if they make it there. Tristan Wirfs, Makai Becton, two of the examples of guys who had incredible workouts. Talk to me a little bit about what you saw with those guys and what you were hearing with their stock and the possibility of one of them going to the Jets. Well, Becton is an interesting guy because he's such a big man, 6'7". I think he weighed in at about 357, and he ran a 5 I want to say 5140, which is an incredible amount of speed for a man that big. Uh, it's funny because when I look at 40s, I don't really take much stock in them, but I did ask uh, talent evaluators on other teams about what that 5-1 means for a guy that big. Is it that you know substantial? Does that really matter? And you know, the prevailing sentiment was yes. I mean, it, you know, the guy's an athletic player, and I think that matters. So. You know, I was confined more by what that number meant and thinking that number doesn't mean that much, but to NFL evaluators, it does. Uh, Tristan Wirfs was, God, he was off the charts. Uh, he he might even have been more impressive than Becton because not only did he run a fast 40, he ran a 4.86 at 320 pounds. So he's, you know, he's 37, 40, you know, 35 to 40 pounds lighter, but still at 320 running a 4.86 40 plus all of the other agility drills. Uh, were so impressive. He set combine records for linemen uh, with uh, his vertical leap, which I don't remember off the top of my head, and his broad jump. So the vertical and the broad were combine records for offensive linemen. He ran an incredibly fast 40 as well. Uh, he's a guy who 
some people believed would be a guard as opposed to a, a right tackle. And I think he, he's going to settle on the right side if he is a tackle. And, you know, based on uh, at least the athletic uh, profile that we saw over the past week, uh, I think he is going to be a tackle. Uh, the big question is, will Becton and or Wirfs even be available for the Jets at 11? The Jets are in such an interesting spot because if they were at 8, which, you know, doesn't seem that, that big of a deal, right? 8, 11, or 9, 9 and 11, I would feel much more confident that one of these guys, you know, Wirfs, Becton, uh, Wills, who's probably a guard, uh, one of those guys would make it uh, to them for sure. Uh, I'm not necessarily certain that Wirfs or Becton will get to 11. Uh, there's other options out there. There's Thomas. There's Jackson from USC, who's probably going to be a little bit later in the first round. But, uh, you know, when you're talking about the two guys that you had mentioned specifically, I think that Joe Douglas would be ecstatic, frankly, if you could get one of those two guys at 11. But, you know, we're talking about, you know, early March right now. I, I would tend to think it's a, a less than 50-50 proposition that either one of those two guys is going to be available, which is a bummer for for Gase and for, for Douglas, for the Jets. But, uh, you know, this is a, a quality offensive line group. So if they don't get one of those two guys, other guys will be available. But then the question you have to ask yourself if you're Joe Douglas is, do you want to take one of those other, other offensive linemen that you might have, you know, ranked, you know, five, six, somewhere in that area? You know, Thomas to me is a good player. I know he's, he's gotten kind of a bad rap for some reason over the last week or so. But he's a guy who I think can be a starter, uh, frankly, right away at the tackle position. So if the Jets got him, I, I I think that would be solid to be to be honest with you. But if you covet these other players uh, at the you know at tackle or guard, uh, and they're gone, the question you have to ask yourself, frankly, if you're the Jets, given all of their needs, is that would you take uh, the offensive lineman that you have fifth or sixth, or would you take the wide receiver that you have second or third? Because there's going to be a lot of wide receivers that uh, are going to be available for them. I don't know if C.D. Lamb is necessarily going to be there, but Jerry Judy possibly could be there. Uh, Henry Ruggs certainly will be there. And I don't think he's a, Henry Ruggs is a guy that you want to take at 11. You know, he's a good player. Uh, I learned a lot more about him from NFL people over the past week. Uh, I'm not certain that he's a guy that Jets want to take at 11. Uh, if they want to trade down, that would be a better option. But uh, would you take a Jerry Judy uh, at 11, a wide receiver, or would you go with, you know, Thomas, or would you go with, the, you know, your fifth-ranked offensive lineman? You know, those are interesting questions, important questions that Joe Douglas needs to ask himself uh, when determining what makes the most sense for this organization moving forward. I tend to think he's going to go with the offensive lineman over the wide receiver for a number of different reasons. Uh, and, you know, one of them also is that the receiver class is pretty deep. So you could probably get one, not probably, but you can definitely get one in round two or three that you feel good about. Uh, but, uh, you know, I try not to take too much stock in, in speed. And, and, and I know that sometimes NFL evaluators uh, believe there's a lot of value in that. There, you know, there was a receiver from tennis, uh, from TCU, I believe, Jalen Rager, who's supposed to be a speedster. And he was quote unquote disappointing in his 40. And I actually remember, <laughs> I actually remember talking to someone uh, last week when they were showing the replay of that particular forty, uh, at, you know, on the TV at one of the bars, and and this is like a highly respected uh, NFL talent evaluator. And I asked if if that disappointing forty time for this so, so-called fast receiver, you know, 
will impact his decision. And he laughed and said, "Not, you know, not at all." Like he watches the game tape, and you know, this particular player is exceedingly fast on the tape uh, with pads and a helmet on. And the fact that he didn't necessarily run as fast as what some people thought isn't going to dissuade him uh, or knock him down uh, on their particular draft board. Manish, I completely disagree with you as far as Jedrick Wills. I think he can absolutely play tackle and be a damn good one in the NFL. I personally would be happy with any of those four tackles. I'd love it if one of them falls to the Jets at 11. Like you said, we'll have to see. But there is another intriguing possibility on the offensive line that I thought we could talk about. Now, bear in mind, this is just a whisper, just a rumor. It's not like we have anything that's super confirmed at this point as far as what I'm about to say, but it's still interesting, so I thought I'd bring it up. There was some chatter last week here and there about the possibility of Andre Dillard, who was the Eagles' first-round pick last year and who they traded up for at the end of the first round, being available. And then the whispers got a little louder and a little louder and a little louder. And then finally, yesterday, during the Mike Missinelli show on 97.5 The Fanatic and NBC Sports Philadelphia, Tim McManus, who covers the Eagles for NBC Sports, was on, and he talked about the fact that he heard whispers at the Combine that the Eagles would potentially be willing to deal Andre Dillard in a deal that would get rid of the contract of Alshon Jeffrey, who is due to make, I believe, somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to $35 million over the next two years. There's a variety of reasons that they'd be wanting to get rid of Alshon Jeffrey. The first is that they're looking to go after Byron Jones in free agency. They know they desperately need to upgrade a corner. It was one of their weakest spots. They figure if they can get Byron Jones in free agency and then come back with their first-round pick and get a wide receiver, that would really significantly upgrade their two weakest positions on the field. And remember, this is an Eagles team that theoretically is a Super Bowl contender if they can shore up some weaknesses, so that could be big for them. Also... There's the fact that Alshon Jeffrey apparently does not get along with the coaching staff and really had a big problem with Deshaun Jackson. In addition, he was leaking stuff to the press apparently, so there's no love loss there with Alshon Jeffrey in Philly and they desperately want to get rid of him. Then you come to the fact that the Eagles apparently really want to bring back Jason Peters, who's 38 years old, to be the starter. Now, I say to be the starter because Jason Peters is not coming back to Philadelphia to sit on the bench. If they really want to bring back Jason Peters as the starter, that probably tells you that they're a little bit worried about Andre Dillard. So him potentially being available makes some sense. Why am I bringing this up? In the context of a Jets podcast, because let's remember, Joe Douglas was very instrumental in drafting Andre Dillard. He was the right-hand man of Howie Roseman at the time. He was somebody that really liked Andre Dillard, supposedly pushed to trade up for him when it became possible for them to get him within reason. Then on top of that, you look at Alshon Jeffrey, and here's the guy that was personally recruited to the Eagles from the Bears by Joe Douglas. They had worked together when Joe Douglas had his stopover with the Bears, and Adam Gase is somebody who everybody knows has a good relationship with Jeffrey. Jeffrey in the past has spoken out in favor of Adam Gase, so you figure that if anybody would be a good fit for him, it would be the Jets because he gets along very well with Joe Douglas, and he's a fit in the Adam Gase offense. Now, we all know the deal with Alshon Jeffrey, really good receiver, but has had a lot of trouble staying healthy. He's 30 years old, and the big reason the Eagles want to get rid of him on top of all the other stuff that I was talking about is the $35 million that he's owed over the next two years. But the question becomes here, if 
This is true. And the Eagles are willing to attach Andre Dillard to a deal to get rid of all Sean Jeffrey. What would the price tag be? And would it be worth it for the Jets? Because the downside here is if the Eagles are willing to give up on Andre Dillard, who last year they invested fairly heavily in this quickly, there could be something wrong there. Obviously, you don't give up on such a promising young tackle if there isn't a problem. But if you're Joe Douglas and you have your evaluation from a year ago and you still believe in it, he's only 24 years old and he's got four years left on his rookie deal. So there's that part of it. What would the cost be also? That's another question. I was thinking that it could be something in the range of Alshon Jeffrey and Andre Dillard in exchange for moving up from 21 to 11. It could also be, let's say, the Giants' third-round pick that the team got for Leonard Williams. There's a lot of ways that you could go with this. Again, Manish, this is just a whisper right now, but it's being talked about by people with actual credibility as something that's not out of the realm of possibility. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if you connect the dots here, the fact that they want to bring back Peters, the fact that they desperately want to get Byron Jones, the fact that you have Alshon Jeffrey, who they really want to get rid of so badly, and Alshon Jeffrey with his ties to both Gase and Douglas, think about this for a second, and it could make some sense. Wow, that's a lot to unpack. Uh, let's start with Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey cannot play anymore. Uh, he's 30 years old. I don't know. I don't know if he's about to turn 31 or if he just turned 30. Uh, he's a regardless. He's a 30-something year old wide receiver. Uh, and I, at this point, I wouldn't even classify him as a wide receiver. He played like a tight end. He is uh, not particularly fast uh, anymore. Not that he was really fast before, but he's coming off a Liz Frank injury that he suffered in December. Uh, is he even going to play, or are the Jets just willing to take uh, take along his salary? Now, the Eagles, if they had their druthers, they would have cut him yesterday, uh, you know, but they can't, because if they cut him, there's a $26 million dead cap hit uh, on their 2020 cap. Uh, he's scheduled to make almost $12 million in cash, which is a ridiculous amount of money uh, for the lack of production that you'll get from him. He's essentially a glorified tight end. The Jets have tight ends. <laughs> you know, they have tight ends, two tight ends, in fact, that they feel pretty confident in. So uh, he would not add much value at all as a receiver uh, for the Adam Gase. Uh, look, I know Adam Gase had a prior relationship with him. Uh, that's when Alshon Jeffrey was a, you know, a much younger man. I guess they, you know, it's 2020. You know, it's not whatever, 2016, I don't even know when those guys interacted in Chicago, whenever it was. Uh, so I don't think that from a football standpoint, for one, that Alshon Jeffrey offers anything. He offers nothing, in fact. He's coming off, again, a Liz Frank injury, not a hamstring pull or an ankle sprain. He's an old player who wasn't productive, coming off a, a massive injury. Uh, he was also a cancer in the Eagles locker room. Uh, he's a guy who behind uh, or through back channels uh, really said a lot of disparaging things about Carson Wentz. Do you really want to bring that type of presence, that type of malignant presence into your locker room when you yourself have a young quarterback that you're trying to cultivate? You know, I, I saw, and look, I know that people's personalities are different, but I saw firsthand what uh, oh, Plaxico Burris did to Mark Sanchez. And this was, uh, you know, you could you could make a parallel. The, you know, Plaxo Burris was on, in, in the you know the back nine of his career, 
a guy who had had some success, obviously, as a younger player, and he did not do Mark Sanchez any favors. He was trashing Mark Sanchez left and right behind the scenes. And I'm not saying that Alshon Jeffrey is going to do that. What I, however, what I am saying is that it's impossible, uh, or it's negligent, I should say, to ignore what he did to the young quarterback in Philadelphia. He was the driving force behind a lot of the critical statements regarding Carson Wentz. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned leaking information to, to reporters. Uh, you know, I have a pretty firm handle on exactly what happened. Uh, and without, you know, talking about specific reporters, you know, that's really irrelevant. Uh, what's relevant, however, is that this was a veteran wide receiver who wasn't happy with his quarterback and wasn't afraid to voice his displeasure uh, in a very unproductive manner. So when you're talking about an old and aging wide receiver coming off a severe injury, making a ridiculous amount of money that he does, clearly uh, uh, should not be making given his lack of production, uh, and the you know the off the field stuff uh, in terms of trashing the young quarterback, I don't know why you would want that presence in the building. I don't care that he he had crossed paths with Joe Douglas or Adam Gase or that Adam Gase may have liked him you know five years ago. Uh, what matters now is how are you going to improve this offense and bring aboard pieces to help Sam Darnold grow? And I honestly can't think of a player uh, for Darnold that would be worse than Alshon Jeffrey because of all the factors, whether it's you know money, lack of production, uh, not being a team guy. Uh, he is a malignant presence. So he was a malignant presence in Philadelphia. There's a reason why they are desperate to get rid of him. Uh, so I, I just think, you know, just starting with that component of this discussion, uh, if you truly want to bring out the best in Sam Darnold, if you actually want to surround him with people that can help him grow and get better, you do not bring in Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, I don't know. I can, I can, that's as cut and dried as I can be about Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, in terms of Andre Dillard, uh, that's fascinating to me because the Eagles traded up. You know, they, they traded up three spots. They leaped over the Texans because they thought the Texans were going to draft Dillard. They made a deal, the Eagles did, with the Ravens. Uh, they gave up a fourth and a sixth to move up three spots to get who they thought would be the guy to replace, ultimately replace, Jason Peters. Now, yes, do they want to bring back Jason Peters? He's 38 years old. He missed three games last year. He's breaking down. That's obvious for anyone who follows the Eagles. They know that he's breaking down. Again, he's 38 years old. What can you honestly expect from him uh, in 2020? Uh, obviously, you don't expect much from him uh, over the next several years, You know, maybe as a short-term option uh, this upcoming season. But are you really going to throw away a guy that you traded up for who you believed would be your left tackle uh, just because you want to get rid of Alshon Jeffrey and, and his contract and his his attitude and uh, you know I, I don't I'm not saying that they haven't explored it because I don't know I mean I can't say for certain I just think on the surface it's very odd to give up on a left tackle uh, in less than a year uh, because you want to get rid of uh, Alshon Jeffrey that doesn't make any sense to me because again Jason Peters is not going to be around in all likelihood in 2021 you don't even know how much he's going to get. Get, get from him in 2020. And did the Eagles, did, did they sour on Andre Dillard that much, the same guy that they traded up for? 
the same guy that they traded two other picks for in less than a year. I, I don't. I don't buy it. I mean, frankly, I, I don't buy it. Uh, maybe if the deal and the offer is ridiculous, then I suppose if they get an offer they can't refuse, they, they won't refuse it. But what is that offer? You know, you know, Scott, you mentioned maybe the Jets can use that Leonard Williams pick. Maybe they can swap first-round picks, move down 10 spots uh, You know, from 11 to 21. I guess there's a number of different paths that you can take. But if I'm the Eagles and I invested a first-round pick in this guy and I traded a couple picks, I I, I kind of want more than just moving up ten spots in this year's draft. And you know maybe maybe Howie Roseman feels differently, but I, I don't know if, if that's the cost. I think the cost would have to be a first-round pick. Uh, unfortunately for the Eagles, I don't believe the Jets are going to part ways with their number eleven pick for Andre Dillard and Alshon Jeffrey's contract. So uh, it'll be fascinating if, if he gets moved. It, you know, I'm not saying. It, it can't happen because Howie Roseman has done some really aggressive and sometimes unorthodox moves that have worked out. Uh, you know, sometimes you know they don't work out, but uh, he's not afraid to at least explore the possibility. So that's perhaps where the Eagles are right now. But uh, I don't think Jet fans, frankly, care about that. I think they're more concerned about does this make the most sense for them. So from a Jet perspective, how would you feel about having Andre Dillard? as your right or left tackle in 2020, uh, the number 21 pick uh, in which you could draft another offensive lineman. Maybe there's a corner you, you like. Maybe there's a wide receiver you like. Uh, so you got Dillard, the number 21 pick, and uh, Alshon Jeffrey on the books for one more year. Uh, and then you can cut him because uh, his guaranteed money runs out. Uh, on the surface, I, I guess it's fine, right? And people would say, hey, you can get Dillard and – Dillard and, uh, you know, a wide receiver, for example, whoever that may be. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm in the minority here. But uh, if, the, if the whole goal is to bring out the best in Darnold and you're bringing in this guy who's got a ridiculous amount of baggage, and, and frankly, based on what I know, like him just coming from a team after he trashed the quarterback behind the scenes, do you really want that guy – next to Sam Darnold. Uh, and I mean, I, you know, I don't run the jets, but, uh, you know, if I were running the jets, I wouldn't want Alshon Jeffrey anywhere near Sam Darnold. This comes down to a couple of factors. If it's true. And we don't know for sure if the rumors are true that the Eagles could be looking to do this, but a, it comes down to what Joe Douglas thinks of Andre Dillard. If Joe Douglas still really believes in Andre Dillard and he's available, then it would make a lot of sense because if you could get Andre Dillard and then, like you said, let's say you flip picks, you move down to 21, you pick another tackle, and now you could potentially be set at tackle for the next X amount of years because Dillard is 24 and he's got four years left on his rookie deal. Also, it comes down to how much Gase and Douglas feel they could control Alshon Jeffrey. They're close with him. Both of them are. Douglas, as I said, personally recruited Alshon Jeffrey to Philadelphia, so there's a relationship there. If they feel like they could bring him in and he would be all right for a year and then they could move on, then it's fine because on the field, he's pretty much irrelevant. Anything they would get out of him would be a bonus. They would only be taking him because they would be getting Andre Dillard. That would be the price they would have to pay for that deal. So it's something to think about. I agree with you. I think it would be kind of crazy for the Eagles to do something like this, but like I said, with all these whispers and the fact 
fact that it looks like the Eagles are looking to bring back Peters, and everything you said about Peters is true. He's getting older, he maybe only has a year or two left in him, but if the Eagles want to bring him back to be the starter, it tells you something, that they may have soured on Andre Dillard. I can't tell you why. I know they just got a new offensive coordinator. Maybe there's something there. Maybe they sat down and discussed strategy and decided that Dillard doesn't fit what they want to do going forward. I really couldn't tell you, but if this happens... It'll be interesting because I would expect that the Jets would at the very least be in the mix. The Browns are another team that would make a lot of sense because they also need a young tackle. They have some cap space to burn. And Barry, the guy who just got added to their front office, was with Philly as well when they drafted Andre Dillard. So at least something to keep your eye on and something fun to talk about over the next couple of weeks. But while we're on the subject of offensive linemen, big reports over the weekend about Jack Conklin, the tackle from the Tennessee Titans, who's going to be a free agent. First PFT saying that there was a team that believes that Jack Conklin is going to the Jets or that they were told that. Then another report coming out from Adam Schefter saying that it is not expected that Jack Conklin will sign with the Jets. I read this as Drew Rosenhaus, who is Jack Conklin's agent, coming out and making sure that other teams know that it's not some sort of done deal because he doesn't want to cut off any kind of leverage. I'm not so sure that the Jets are going to get Conklin. I would assume that they're going to at least dip their toe in the water and inquire. I think it's going to be an open bidding with a lot of other teams, but the way I read it was Drew Rosenhaus did not want other teams thinking that they can't be bidding on his client. Yeah, I think it makes no sense to cut off potential suitors. Uh, Now, what I will say is that the Jets... Uh, expressed interest in Conklin back at the Senior Bowl. So they, they obviously also reiterated that uh, during the combine. But uh, you know they they made it known uh, that they were interested. Uh, you know prior to that, uh, the level of interest, however, that's the real question. They obviously have interest in him. You know he's a you know he's a good player. Uh, I think he, he, we could have a a really lively discussion about how good of a player he is. Uh, I'm not saying that he's terrible because that's unfair, but I'm certainly not saying that he's an all-pro. Uh, now, he had a really good first season in the league, and when I talk to uh, GMs and executives, uh, not coaches, but GMs and executives about what how they felt about Conklin, frankly, uh, I got a, a lot of critical remarks. Uh, some guys didn't believe that Conklin was necessarily uh, worth anything close to what he's going to get, which doesn't really matter because that's what free agency is, right? It's supply and demand. So he's going to command something like $17 million a year. Is he a $17 million a year right tackle? I don't believe he is based on the information that I got. Uh, Now, would he be an upgrade for the Jets? Obviously he would because the right tackle position was exceedingly weak for them this past season. Uh, I don't know if the Jets are going to get him because I do think that bidding will get really high. Uh, maybe they maybe they value him more than what some of these uh, decision makers on other teams said to me. Uh, ultimately, all that matters is how Joe Douglas feels about Jack Conklin as a player. I'm just telling you that the feedback that I got in Indianapolis is that uh, you know he's he's okay. You know, he's a good player, I guess, but he's not some kind of you know elixir. You know, he he's not some kind of uh, slam dunk superstar player that you're getting on the right side. Uh, I know that sometimes during free agency, because of supply and demand, certain players kind of get elevated, and there's this perception among fans that, well, we got to get this guy. This guy's going to solve all our problems. 
uh, when the truth is that some of the lesser known guys, you know, the guys who uh, you might not even have known about uh, will be better fits for, you know, for the Jets. I'm not saying that Conklin wouldn't be a good fit. What I am saying is that, you know, I asked people for honest evaluations about him in Indianapolis, and I got lukewarm feedback, you know, some positive feedback, but I didn't get any feedback like you have to get him, like you meaning the Jets have to get him. Like they don't, you know, they can't survive if they don't get this stud right tackle. Because I don't think he's a stud right tackle. That doesn't mean that I don't think he can help the team. And that doesn't mean that I don't believe he's an upgrade from what they had. That just means that you're going to have to severely overpay for, you know, a decent player. And I don't know how Joe Douglas feels about that. You know, his, his driving mission, of course, is to improve the line for Darnold and for Adam Gase. But, uh, you know, is Jack Conklin going to be worth the money he's ultimately going to get? You know, probably not. And, you know, I just have a sneaking suspicion that a year from now, the team that signs Jack Conklin is going to feel very similarly to the way that the Giants feel about signing Nate Solder a year after giving him the big money. And I know it's a little bit different because Solder's an older player. Conklin's not an older player. But just in terms of quality of player versus amount of money given to uh, an offensive lineman, I, I just don't I, – I don't think that – it's worth the money, but again, the Jets are desperate, and sometimes you know desperation will cause teams to overpay. But uh, I think if you evaluate the tape, I had one person tell me that Conklin had like four good games this past year, and that's only one person's opinion. And and, and I can't honestly tell you if that person's right or not because I didn't go through the Jack Conklin tape in in 2019. I didn't do that. Uh, I just tried to canvas, uh, you know. You know what? What is the, the the general sentiment about this player? Is he a great player? Is he a good player? Is he an average player? Is he a below average player? Or is he a poor player? And he's not poor. He's not below average. Uh, I think he's above average. Uh, you know, I think he's a good player based on what people have told me. And you know that that's a you know that's a big question that Joe Douglas needs to ask. Is it worth paying that kind of money for Jack Conklin, or is it worth you know spreading that money out? Uh, to other players along the offensive line, because there are other players on the offensive line that aren't household names, frankly, that the Jets like, that they believe would be a good fit, you know, versatile players, smart players, productive players, that frankly Jet fans probably never heard of you know, six months ago. So uh, I just think when free agency rolls around, if they don't get Jack Conklin, uh, you know, if they don't get Joe Tooney, who's another uh, uh, guy on the offensive line marquee in free agency, uh, you know, if they get lesser guys, that doesn't mean that the Jets didn't make the right decision. You know, and if they get Jack Conklin, that doesn't mean that they made the right decision either. Uh, that's why I think it's really fascinating. I know that we didn't talk about this, Scott, but, uh, you know, I'd asked uh, Douglas and Gase in Indianapolis, how do, you, how do you know what the right offensive linemen are? Because you can get the guys at the top of the free agent list, at tackle, at guard, perhaps at center, and that doesn't mean that if you sign all those guys, you're going to have a good offensive line. You could sign guys who are, when you look at these lists, they're you know sixth at their position or seventh at their position, but they're maybe they're better fit and maybe they work better together. And that's a big unknown for Gase specifically because he doesn't know what the best five offensive linemen are going to be until he gets those guys working together. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you spend. It doesn't matter who's believed to be the best tackle or the best guard on the market. 
you've got to find the five guys that will work best together, but work best, uh, you know, as a unit. Uh, and unfortunately, you don't get a dry run. You don't get a tryout period where you get to work out these guys uh, as a unit before you sign them. So you have to, you know, you've got to do your due diligence. You've got to find out what are each guy's strengths and weaknesses compared to each other. And it's a very difficult thing to do. That's why I think it's an arduous task that, that Douglas and Gase have in the coming weeks. Uh, but I, you know, I'm not going to overreact one way or the other, whether they sign a Conklin or a Tooney or not. Uh, you know, they might sign, you know, there's a guy that they, I know that they love that isn't a household name. And if they bring that guy aboard, uh, maybe he doesn't necessarily move the needle uh, you know, among the, the, the fan base, but maybe he's the right fit. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're not going to find that out for, for months when this, uh, in, until, you know, all, all five new guys, uh, you know, combination of old and new, I should say, start working together. Uh, so that's why, you know, Jack Conkling is getting a lot of buzz, and God bless him for getting the money he's ultimately going to get. Maybe it comes from the Jets. Maybe it doesn't. You know, I'd be lying to you if I said if I that I knew because I don't know. But what I do know is that the feedback I've gotten from from teams across the league is that you know, you know, he's a good player, he's a decent player. Uh, but you know, if you're expecting miracles from the right tackle position, if you sign him, I think you might be disappointed. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. There are obvious positives and negatives to signing Jack Conklin. Positive would be that he's still relatively young. He's going to be 26 years old. He's a good player, and he's somebody that would help solidify a position that they desperately need to solidify. Plus, for Joe Douglas, who would be going into his first free agency period, this would give him a big feather in his cap to land somebody like Conklin, who many other teams are going to be bidding for. The downside is all of the stuff that you just said. Do you want to pay elite money for a player who is not an elite player? Obviously, if he was an elite player, the Titans wouldn't have refused his 50-year option, and they certainly wouldn't have let him hit the market. They would have franchise tagged him, or they would have worked out some sort of deal before he hit free agency. So there's a lot to consider here, just as there's going to be a lot to consider if the Jets make a play for one of the big free agent pass rushers in the 2020 free agency class, because this is not a great edge rusher class in the NFL draft, but there were scheduled to be a lot of really good edge rushers available in free agency. Some of those guys appear to be getting tagged, though. Yannick Ngakwe is one of them. Curious to see if he ends up getting traded because Ngakwe has said he refuses to sign a long-term deal with Jacksonville. Now, I personally believe that he would agree to play on the franchise tag because 
unlike somebody like Jadavian Clowney, who was paid first round money, and Gakwe was a third round pick, hasn't cashed in yet. So I can't imagine that he's going to threaten to sit out and forego what would be a 20 to $22 million payday. I think he's just saying he's not going to sign beyond that one year. And if that's the case, perhaps Jacksonville looks to move him. The asking price could be a first round pick. It could be something along the lines of what the Chiefs had to give up for Frank Clark. We don't know. And then there are other pass rushers that are scheduled to hit the market but may not. So talk to me a little bit about the whole free agency pass rusher situation because I do think that if some of them make it to free agency, it would make a lot of sense for Joe Douglas to target one of them. He absolutely should. Uh, and, and real quick, just to put a bow on the Alshon Jeffrey discussion, the other element to all of this is that if you're dedicating $16 million in salary cap space for Alshon Jeffrey, that means you're not dedicating that space to a free agent that you can bring in uh, perhaps an offensive lineman. So just just another element to that. He will take up cap space regardless of whether he's any kind of impact on the field. You're still going to have to pay him, so you have to also weigh that into the into the discussion. If you're going to pay Jeffrey $12 million in cash and have a, a $16 million hit because of him, would that money be served uh, better if you had brought in a free agent along the offensive line, for example? Uh, in terms of the, uh, you know, the edge rushers, uh, you know, Ngakwe is an interesting guy. Uh, I think you and I had actually discussed him, and I know that Jets have a lot of had a lot of interest in him. Uh, the the interest of, however, changes to a certain degree if you have to give up draft compensation in addition to bringing him aboard and then signing him to a long term deal. Uh, Matthew Judon from the Ravens is also another guy who's going to get tagged. Uh, you know, the, the sentiment is that he's getting tagged and traded. So you have to factor that in. Are you willing to give up draft pick in addition to signing him to a long-term deal? I think Bud Dupree, I, I think he is going to get tagged. I'm not sure if that's been reported or not, but I, I get a sense that he might get tagged as well. Uh, Dante Fowler is an interesting player uh, only because the previous regime – uh, had interest in Fowler. Uh, they made an offer for him before he was ultimately traded to the Rams. Uh, you know, again, that's a different decision maker, Mike McCagnan versus Joe Douglas. Uh, I, I, I believe that Fowler will be available. Although, you know, I, I was told in Indianapolis that, you know, the Rams sometimes use a transition tag. I don't know if they're going to do that with Fowler, but somebody had suggested that perhaps that would be a possibility, uh, you know, for Fowler. If he is available, uh, is he a good fit? Uh, you know, I've heard different things about Dante Dante Fowler's makeup. Uh, you know, conflicting things, so it's hard for me to definitively know you know, which is right. But uh, you know, he would be an option uh, as well. Uh, Jadavian Clowney is really the only guy that's going to be that, that I think I that I know is definitely going to be free. Uh, no tags, no nothing uh, in terms of you know edge guys. How much would you pay to Davian Clowney? That's a, you know that's a great question, not only for the Jets but for all teams. So you know, you know perhaps he's an option. Uh, there's Vinnie Curry, and we're talking about lesser known guys, like you know lesser quality guys. He's an older player, who Joe Douglas obviously has a lot of uh, experience with. He's 32, I believe. Uh, he's a, I still think he's a productive player. This is just me putting on my scouting hat here. I think he actually still is a productive player when you have stationary quarterbacks. But when you have these mobile guys who can break the pocket fairly easily, uh, I think you know, that's where Vinnie Curry struggles. But if you've got like a straight pocket passer who's going to sit back there, I, I actually do think that Curry can still be a valuable player uh, You know, when facing teams that have those types of quarterbacks. 
but again, he's like a, a fallback option type of player, not the, a top-of-the-line guy. And then, you know, look, we haven't even talked about Jordan Jenkins. He's their in-house guy. Uh, however, I do think that Jordan's probably going to get more money than the Jets are willing to pay. Uh, but if the Jets do bring him back, that kind of tells you and reveals that the market wasn't what Jordan Jenkins believed it would be for him. So the, there, there's some options out there. Uh, you know, the, be, the best options are the ones that are going to be tagged, and for good reason, because they're the best options. So, you know, would the Jets be willing to give up a draft compensation in addition to you know, signing one of these guys to a long-term deal. That, that's obviously another question that Joe Douglas needs to weigh. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with this edge rusher free agency class, Manish, because I'm curious if Ngakwe ends up yielding a mega deal somewhere along the lines of what Frank Clark got in a trade. And if that does happen, if the Jets would be in the mix, I would imagine that if the Jets are interested, they wouldn't be willing to give up their first round pick this year. It would have to be some sort of deal that would involve a first rounder next year. But stay tuned. We shall see. I'm curious also to see if Dante Fowler breaks loose because, as you said, mixed reviews from people. I'm not crazy about him myself, but he is somebody that the Jets organization has had interest in in the past. Different regime now, but we'll see if Joe Douglas tries to strike if Dante Fowler hits the market. Last order of business, Manish, I want to ask you a question about a story you told me about a game that you guys used to play to pass the time at the Combine that apparently was <laughs> invented by Rex and Rob Ryan. Yeah, this is actually... Probably my favorite moment uh, of the week. Uh, look, so there's there's a lot of uh, you know boring things that happen at the combine, and just based on talking to you know general managers, front office guys, coaches who have to sit through well, the forty or sit through the you know the broad jump and you know the vertical, uh, you know, sitting there as a coach and watching the bench press is so ridiculously inefficient. You're going to find out, right, what, you know, how, how many times a guy lifted. You don't actually have to be there. So, I, you know, I, I went to one of those sessions with Albert Breer, who's a friend of mine from, uh, from Sports Illustrated and MMQB, you know, just to check out uh, the, you know, the environment. Because in the past, uh, you know, I, we, we got a lot of, you know, we got a lot of enjoyment out of those uh, strength and conditioning coaches who would be yelling at the particular prospect as he was lifting, you know, to encourage him to lift more. And now this is actually open to the public. So you've got two stands, you've got a stand with a bunch of fans, and then you've got this adjacent stands with a bunch of coaches. And uh, uh, so, you know, Breer and I went to one of these sessions and the coaches, I mean, they looked dead tired of, I mean, for, you know, for obvious reasons. And uh, they looked completely disinterested in doing this. So, it, you know, I, I had been told of a story that Rex and Rob Ryan had played through the years just to kind of bring some juice uh, because, again, the coaches were kind of bored out of their mind. And it would essentially be that uh, a prospect would walk up, uh, you know, say who he, say his name in, in you know, college, and then Rex or Rob would kind of size up the particular prospect from the stands uh, and they would purposely sit across from each other. They would kind of look at the prospect and then just kind of whisper or, you know, use their fingers and be like, you know, 18, like one, eight, like they would set the over under before the guy actually started lifting. And then the other, like if Rex set the, the standard at like 25, for example, as the over under, uh, Rob would give a thumbs up, thumbs down, like over, or he'll take the over, or he'll take the under. And they would bet 
uh, I don't know how much, I don't remember how much, but they would bet, uh, let's just say for argument's sake, you know, 100 bucks uh, per guy. Uh, and if the guy got over 25 and Rex predicted over, he would win the 100 bucks. And they, they would just do this over and over uh, just to keep it competitive. Because, again, it's pretty boring to, to watch guys uh, bench press, uh, especially since you're going to get the results anyway. So Breer and I did the, the, you know, we did the exact same thing. It, it actually makes it for an exciting event. You know, I, I'll set the over/under uh, at I don't know 17, for example. And if the guy's struggling at 16, you're kind of hoping he can squeeze out two more if you got the over. And it, it's actually pretty fun. And I had never heard this before, and it came to my attention recently. And uh, I think that the coaches should probably enact that again. You know, it, it obviously went away after both of those guys weren't in the league. and uh, But for years, apparently it was a big deal among the coaches. You know, They, they would play this game that Rex and Rob created. Uh, and again, uh, it's a very – otherwise, it's a very boring event, and it's just something to keep yourself occupied. And I know that Breer and I had a good time. You know, It was probably like 20 minutes of, of this, and in full disclosure, he kicked my ass. Uh, yeah, he was <laughs> right a lot more than I was, but uh, – it made for an entertaining 20 minutes, that's for sure. Yet another reason that we need the Ryan brothers back in the NFL to spice things <laughs> up at the Combine. So Exactly. Rex and Rob, we need you. Come back, come back. Manish Mehta covering the New York Jets for the New York Daily News. Thanks so much for coming on. As always, really appreciate it. What do you got cooking over at the Daily News right now? Uh, I'm just going to look a little bit more deeply into who the Jets uh, might be interested in in free agency. Uh, I know that we talked about some positions. Offensive line is obviously a position that they're going to be fully invested in, and there's some names that uh, were brought to my attention over the past week, and I'll uh, be looking a little bit closer at those particular people to find out uh, you know, how interested the Jets actually are. But uh, there are some guys who aren't necessarily household names that the Jets are, are targeting, and uh, I'm trying to do my research because I'm on the expert uh, on the second and third tier guys, but I'm trying to do my research and finding out, you know, how how those particular guys would would fit in, uh, you know, with this team. Go ahead and follow Manish on Twitter. Read his work in the New York Daily News and listen to him on the new project from Connor Rogers and Joe Caparoso, Badlands, where they went through the last ten years of Jets history and talked about what has gone wrong and what the Jets can do to turn things around. Manish was actually the guest on the first episode. So if you haven't subscribed yet, go over to Podbean or you can find all the subscription information at Jay Caparoso and at Connor J. Rogers on Twitter. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. It's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't cost you any money, doesn't take you much time. But it goes a long way to help us out, so we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. 
like, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.